Well, good morning, everybody. <sighs> good to see you this morning. And uh, I'm going to tell you, I don't know about you, but if those songs did not stir you, you just weren't listening to the words. Now, I don't know what you thought about the music. I don't know if you like the beat. But if you didn't listen to the words, if you missed the words, you missed the power in those great songs. What a great, great selection. I just was having a good time. I didn't want the music to stop because I knew I was next. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to do what we can do. Hey, how many of you have ever thought, have you ever had this thought, what's next? What's next in my spiritual journey? I don't know if you ever think about that, but I think about it often. As a matter of fact, I was pondering that some in my heart the last few weeks, actually. What's next in my spiritual journey? I've been on this journey for a long time, but I often ask myself the question, what's next? Next, What's my next step? What's my next venture? What does God have next in store? There's an old Chinese proverb that says something like this. A journey of a thousand miles begins with one step, right? And then it got turned over to become any journey begins with one step. But the question is, what's step two? Right? I take step one. Sometimes that's the easiest step to take. But what do I do about step number two? It's kind of what we're talking about in this new series we're just starting. First of a four-part series we're calling chapter two. The idea of chapter two is this. Chapter two follows on chapter one. And, and so the, it really is the next part of our story. Last month, we spent a lot of time talking about the first step in a journey of faith. We tried to be very intentional about it. We tried to be a little creative about it. We tried to, to, to come at it from different angles, but said to you basically, to anyone who would listen basically, here is step one in your journey of faith. And that is to come to faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. That is to surrender your life to Him and trust His finished work on the cross as the way to new life in Christ. It's the literally first step of our spiritual journey. Okay, and, and many, by the way, took that first step. I'm excited to say that many took that first step and many have invited Christ in their hearts. Now, here's the thing, though. That's just the first step. Sometimes, unfortunately, we see that salvation experience, that coming to Christ as, our, as the end, and really it's just the beginning of a fresh, new, exciting journey but what's the next step? If, if coming to Christ is chapter 1, what is chapter 2 all about? And, and so that's what we're going to be talking about this month. Now I know that in doing that, there's some of you that are going to be listening to me this month and saying, well, that's nothing really new. And I understand that. But I hope you who are more mature in Christ, who have been on this journey longer, will bear with me as I share very simply what is our first steps, our next steps? Because I think there's a whole lot of us that don't really understand that. And so I want to take the time to talk about it a little bit. In the next few weeks, that's exactly what we'll be doing. Now we're taking as our text, we're taking as our beginning place, the life of the Apostle Paul. Because one thing about Paul, some have called him the greatest Christian who ever lived. Now I don't know, he got that tag. I don't know if that's true or not. Only God can say that. But certainly we know that Paul understood faith. He understood what happened to him in Christ, and he understood what it would take to grow and develop as a follower of Christ. And we see that early on in his life. So I want to take you to a passage where Paul 
talks about where a good friend of his, Dr. Luke, who, by the way, traveled with Paul, wrote down for us what happened in chapter 1 of Paul's life and what happened in chapter 2 of Paul's life. And then he actually went beyond that. But for our purpose, I want to just look there. So if you have a Bible with you and want to turn, turn to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along uh, with me on the screen. In just a moment, it'll be up there. Or on your pad or your, your tablet or your phone or whatever. But look at Acts chapter 9, beginning with verse 18. Now before I get there, let me set it up. The first part of chapter 9 talks about Paul's conversion experience. It really describes, if you will, for our purposes, chapter 1. Because here's what we know about Paul. Paul grew up a Hebrew. Paul grew up a Jew, a follower of Judaism. Not just a follower, a devoted follower of Judaism. In fact, Paul's desire was to grow up to be one of the top echelon of rabbis, teachers in the land. He, he went to the best schools. He followed the best disciplines. He obeyed all the rules. He did everything that was right, hoping that one day he could become something high and special in Judaism. In fact, he achieved it. He became a Pharisee. He described himself later as a Pharisee of the Pharisees, meaning, I really got it. I really accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. He described himself as a, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, and, and he, 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 he gave us a resume that was quite impressive. And so Paul had traveled this ladder of success, but there was something missing in his life. Have you ever been there? A lot of things going right in your life, but something's still missing. It's, it's kind of easier for people to realize their need for faith when they're really tough times in life. But sometimes the most difficult times to understand and grasp are when things are good and we're successful, but there's something missing and, and we can't quite put our hand on it. Paul, something missing. Well, one day, the first of Acts, or chapter 9, tells us that Paul was on a mission. He had been signed a mission to go from Jerusalem up to Damascus, Syria. And he was, he was going to persecute Christians. He was going because this Christian faith was growing and he wanted, along with the other Jews, to snuff it out. So he's on his way to Damascus, headed to persecute Christians. And something happened that changed his life forever. Somewhere on that road, Paul came face to face with Jesus Christ. Just like some of you did last month. Maybe for the first time. Or just like some of you did years ago. But just like I did over 40 years ago. You come face to face with Jesus. And Jesus spoke to his heart. And somewhere on that road, Paul became a follower of Christ. Paul said, Lord, whatever you have me to do, I'll do. I'm yours. Surrendered. Somewhere on there, Paul saw enough that he knew that Jesus was who he said he was. And he gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ and became what we would call a Christian, a follower, a disciple of Christ. Now what I want to do is pick up with the next verse because I think in chapter 18 we kind of turn the page from chapter 1, his life before Christ and his experience coming to Christ, we turn the page to chapter 2. And I want you to notice the first things that he did. What I want you to notice is his first steps after coming to faith in Christ. And I think if it's good for Paul, it's probably good for us. In fact, I know it is. 
because it goes on in scripture to tell us. So, beginning with verse number 18, listen to what happens. It says that once, something like scales fell from his eyes. Now, what that's talking about is when he saw Christ, he had a literal vision and a light blinded him. So he's been blind, but he goes on to Damascus and at a certain point, something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. He got up and was baptized. Look at the next verse. It says, after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some time. Okay, so he gets baptized, he comes, and he joins the disciples. Let's go on. It says, immediately he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Isn't that amazing? He immediately began telling people about this newfound faith of his. Go on. Let's go a little further. All who heard him were astounded and said, Isn't this the man in Jerusalem who was causing havoc for those who called on this name and came here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priest? In other words, isn't this the guy who was coming to kill us? One more verse. He says, <clears throat> But Saul grew stronger and kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Now what I want to show you in these verses in the coming weeks is what Paul did as the first steps of his journey. Chapter 2 in his life. What did he do? The first thing we saw is he was baptized. First thing he did. He was baptized. Now, it's interesting that um, we just had baptism scheduled for today. Uh, it's amazing how God works these things out. We had this baptism. So this is not here as a visual to help. It's here because in a moment we're going to have baptism. But uh, I did think it was interesting that we can kind of talk about it and then observe it and, and then see it actually happen. Baptism. The first thing I notice about Paul is that he was baptized. Uh, and we'll go on next week and talk about the second, third, and fourth thing. But let's talk a little bit about baptism. Let's think a little bit about the importance of baptism, what baptism is all about, how and why we do this strange thing. As a matter of fact, in just a little while, you're going to see someone come into the pool and they're going to be dunked under the water and then come back up. And you, if you've never been at church, your first day at church, you're like going to be thinking, that is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. Why, what are they doing? Well, fortunate enough, I can kind of explain to you a little bit about baptism and what it is. Now, I want to go to one of Paul's later writings, if I could, to help me do that. So I want to turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, and I want to read to you what Paul himself says about baptism a little later on in his life. He's writing to the Roman Christians. He's talking to them about this matter of baptism. He's really talking to them about their faith in Christ. And I want you to notice what he says. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 6, he says, What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? That's a pretty stirring verse. I don't want to go over that too quickly, although it's really just setting up where I ultimately want to go. Uh, should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? You see, there was a group of people. Now, this is, this is amazing because this is 2,000 years ago, and yet it's so similar to today. There was a group of people who were saying, well, if, if salvation is all about God's grace... 
and all of my sin is covered and God enjoys covering my sin by his grace then I ought to just be able to live however I want to live and God can have the, 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 the wonderful desire the wonderful pleasure of forgiving me over and over and over again and Paul says let's think that through and by the way in case you think that's just something weird that these Romans dreamed up I would just venture a, a, a challenge to you to just talk to people today and you'd be surprised how many people know that something is sin in their life and are somehow okay with it thinking well God's forgiven me of all my sin have you ever said that thought that Oh, it's okay if I sin because God's forgiven all of my sin. Now, hold on a minute. Paul is saying there's, there's some fallacy in that thinking. He said, should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Look at the next verse. He gives the answer. He says, absolutely not. <laughs> that is not the way we think. How can we who died to sin still live in it? In other words, Paul says, you can't sin, continue to sin, and just be joyous and happy about it because you died to sin. You can't just go on living. So when we come to faith in Christ, understand something. We come to a new life that is a different life. There's something different about us. If there's not something different about me, then Christ hasn't changed me. Now, I'm not saying we become perfect, all right? Anybody who knows me knows that I am far from perfect. I would never claim to be perfect. I would never claim to be without sin. In fact, often I tell you about my sin up here, those that I can tell you about. But the truth of the matter is, I can't be comfortable in that sin and just continue living in that sin because... I'm dead to that sin. I'll tell you what that means in just a minute. Look at the next verse. Then he says, Are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now Paul takes this experience of knowing Christ and coming to faith in Christ and all that it means, and he begins to now relate it to baptism. And he says, This is your dead with sin. Don't you understand that you were baptized into Christ Jesus and baptized into his death? One more verse. This is important. He says, therefore we were buried with him in baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. So, Paul says that this baptism is somehow Related. This baptism speaks to us about step one, which is following Christ as Lord. In fact, he's telling us, and we see in other places of Scripture, that this baptism becomes a shadow, a picture, if you will, a shadow, if you will, of what happened to us when we came to faith in Christ. Now, here's what's exciting to me about baptism. What's exciting to me about baptism is if we understand baptism, we understand also what happened to us when we came to faith in Christ. Okay? Because this is a shadow. It's a picture. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean by that <clears throat> that God has given us a way to present or to proclaim the gospel to other people in a visual way. Anybody else like to learn through visuals? I'm just a visual person. Don't give me instructions 
paint me pictures, right? I'm just more visual. I like to use visuals. And I think baptism is, a, is one of those visuals. And we're going to walk through it and I'm going to show you what I mean by that. But this is a shadow of what happened to us when we came to faith in Christ. What do I mean by that? I heard a story. Uh, R. Kent Hughes, in a wonderful commentary he has on Romans, I was reading this week, told a story of a pastor who was baptizing in the beach, at the beach, and as he's at the beach baptizing, he's coming out of the water, and a mother came to him with a little child and said, would you baptize my daughter? And he said, well, I'd be glad to, but I need to talk to her first to make sure she understands. She's rather young. And, and, uh, and, and, and so she, he began to talk to her and explain to her about baptism, and he was like all of us, using his hands, right? Right? And as he's using his hands in that bright sun on the sandy beach, he saw the shadow of his hands on the sand of the beach. And when he did, he said to the little girl, most important thing to understand is the baptism is like the shadow of my hand. It's not my real hand. It's just a shadow, a representation of it. Same way, baptism is not what brings us to faith in Christ. It is a shadow of what brings us to a new life in Christ. Now, I always know when what I'm saying is important because this thing gives me a fit. And the enemy's wanting to distract me and you both. So don't let it distract you. Listen to me carefully. It's a shadow of what's happened to us in Jesus Christ. So I want to pull at least three things out of the text and show you that what Paul teaches us about baptism, okay? The first one is this, very important, and that is baptism is a picture. Oh, I forgot my big idea. Baptism is a public declaration of our faith in Jesus. Simply put, it is a declaration of our faith in Jesus. Now Bob's going to come be baptized in a little while. And what this is, is his public profession. He is standing before a bunch of people, probably shaking a little bit, probably nervous a little bit, to publicly profess his faith in Jesus Christ. Now that is so important. Because here's what I can't figure out sometimes. I can't figure out sometimes why we want to be so secretive about our faith. I really can't determine how we can be so secretive about our faith. When we really understand what happened to us, don't we just naturally want to tell it? Now, I know some people are more than others. I get on Facebook every now and then. Now, if I don't answer you on Facebook, please don't get mad at me because I'm not on it all the time. But every now and then I get on there or Twitter or Instagram and I'm looking. And here's what I know. Y'all do get excited about some things. Right? For some of you, it's a redfish this long, right? For some of you, it's that you found a, a particular deal. For some of you, it's been that you spent the week at the beach. I don't know. But you get excited about some things, and you just got to tell us all about it, right? And, and frankly, sometimes I'm thinking, who would want to know that? But anyway, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're excited. You want to share because, look, I had this incredible, this incredible week all by myself at the beach, and it was incredible. And, and you know, I found this place to shop and this great food. And, and then you show me a picture of your food. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm making somebody mad right now. Uh, I do that, too. It's just my grandkids, you know. I want to take in the same way. When I understand what happened when I came to faith in Christ, how can I not flash it out there for everybody to say, "Wow, you got to know this. You got to see this." 
So it's a public declaration of our faith in Christ, saying we're not ashamed, we're unashamed. We want you to know. Now, let me draw the things out of it. Here we go. First of all, I want you to see, baptism follows our faith in Jesus. Three things that we learn, some from this text and some from other places in Scripture, <clears throat> but one thing we know, faith follows, or baptism follows our faith in Jesus. Now, what do I mean by that, and why is that important? It's very, very important. Because baptism, since it is a shadow of what happened when we came to faith in Jesus, should happen after I come to faith in Jesus. You say, well, why would you even say that, Pastor Eddie? Because sometimes we get baptized before we ever come to faith in Jesus. For different reasons. Sometimes it's because we're a kid and other kids are doing it. And, hey, it looks cool to go to church and jump in the water, right? Why not? I'll do that. Or, or maybe it's because we're just uh, teenagers and feel the peer pressure. You know, you're at student camp and everybody else is doing it. So, hey, maybe I ought to do this so I can be in the cool group or whatever. For whatever reason, sometimes it happens. But faith, but watch this. Baptism occurs after. Paul is talking to a group of people about baptism who have what? Come to Christ. Who are brothers and sisters in Christ. Who have come to faith in Christ. In fact, he reminded them, you are dead to your trespasses and sins. And this is a shadow. This is a representation of what happened to you when you came to faith in Christ. There's other places. <clears throat> Throw up those other scriptures. Let me show you a couple of them. In Acts 2.41, we read these words about the church. It says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. Notice it says, Those who gladly received his word. It, it, they were not baptized and then received his word. They received his word and then were baptized. Just one other to make the point and then I'll move on. He says, <clears throat> look at the next one. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. He's talking to a jailer, a Philippian jailer, somebody who's been watching over him in jail. And at the end, he's getting out of jail and the, the Philippian jailer saying, what can I do to be saved? He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your house. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately all, he and all his family were baptized. Again, notice the timing. It it was after they heard the word. It was after they came to faith in Christ. So very, very important. This is not a place where we wash away sins. There's nothing mystical about the water. In this case, I filled this thing up Friday night. And I can tell you, it came right out of the hose. Sorry to disappoint you. There's nothing holy about it. It's just water. And being dunked in here is no different than we're going to do this afternoon, being dunked in the pool, right? It's just water. But the representation is clear. There's nothing holy that washes us in the water. It is a representation of what has happened in our heart. I like to tell people this. I use it all the time. I use the illustration of my wedding ring, right? I'm usually when I'm talking to somebody, I'll take my wedding ring off and say, baptism is a lot like my wedding ring. You see, my wedding ring, why do I wear my wedding ring? Because it represents the commitment in my heart to my wife. Now, if I take my wedding ring off and give it to Tyler and he puts it on, does that mean, Tyler, you're married? <laughs> no. It's just another ring. But to me, it is significant because it is a representation of the covenant relationship I made with my wife 43 years ago. Does that make sense? 
You see, baptism, before I come to faith in Christ, is just getting dunked in water. But after I come to faith in Christ, it is a representation of the covenant commitment that Christ made with me when I came to faith. And he said to me, I'm going to exchange your sins for my righteousness. Oh, don't get me off on that. We'll talk about that in a minute. I've got to go into point two. Number one, very important, it happens after our salvation experience. Number two, baptism pictures your identity, our identity, with Jesus. Okay? It, it happens when we come to faith to Jesus after that, but it is then our identity with Jesus. Now, Paul said in that chapter in Romans, did you read it carefully? I tried to read it slowly. He said, don't you understand that, you, that as many of us were baptized, were baptized into his death and were raised to walk in newness of life. I think Paul was alluding to the way that we do baptism because he said it becomes a picture of something. Now, if you've seen baptism before, you know that the person is in the, in the water. And by the way, this looks eerily like a grave, doesn't it? It kind of reminds me of a casket, honestly. I'm not crazy. It's not, friend. It's not. I'm reminded of Kenya. My Kenyan friends, I've never had the opportunity to see it. I want to be a part of it one day. But they tell me of the way they do baptism in Kenya. You know what they do? They go out. <laughs> they don't have any nice places like we have. They go out into a field and they dig a hole. Or the hardy, they dig a hole. And you know what? The hole, I've seen pictures of it. The hole literally looks like they just dug a grave. And then they put water in it. And the person comes down and is baptized. I don't know. That's kind of eerie. But it's also perfect as a representation. Because in a sense, this is a grave. Because in a sense, what we're representing is this. The fact that Jesus stepped into the grave. That he died for our sins according to the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And that he was buried. And as we lower into the water, it represents, represents, it pictures, it portrays his lowering into the grave. And on the third day, what? He rose again. You see, we don't do baptism by submersion. We do baptism by immersion. What's the difference? Submersion, you may never come up, <laughs> Right? Now, I've had a few wives ask me to do submersion, but um, <laughs> no, nah, it's immersion because they go up and then they come back up and go down and then back up. Why? Because Jesus died for our sins according to the scripture and was buried and rose again. But here's why it's very important. Because it also signifies, Paul said, our death to ourself, our death to sin. We died with him. We were buried with him. We were raised with him. Him. That means in all, listen, for all intents and purposes, baptism is a, somewhat of a funeral for Eddie. The old Eddie's dead. He's gone. And who you see now is a new Eddie. A new person in Christ. The old is passing. And the new is coming. So you see, it's very, very appropriate. It identifies us with Christ. We die. To ourself. But now listen, I want to say again, it's not the water that makes us a new person. We come out of the water signifying, I'm ready to live a new life. 
in Christ. I'm ready to take my next step in this journey. And that's why we do it by immersion. You know, probably, you understand that different people do it different ways. And, and I'm not here to criticize one or the other. I'm just saying that the, the way we do it is very, very important to us because it pictures our identity with Christ. It's very, very important. If you lose that, you might lose something. <laughs> the, the word baptize really means to plunge under. Beth and I were so, we, we, we enjoyed, a few weeks ago, we took our grandkids to, um, <clears throat> out for a little few days of vacation, and one day we managed to get to the pool ahead of them. That was rare, but one morning we did, and we were ahead of them at the pool, and we were sitting by the pool, and we were just kind of enjoying the morning and the quiet for a moment, frankly, and, uh, and then we saw these kids, a family of children playing in the pool. They were on the shallow end. And they were playing. Obviously, there was about three or four siblings. And obviously, they were church kids. Because they're playing in the pool. And you know what they're doing? They're baptizing each other. Now, come on. Have you ever done that? Let's just be honest. They were baptizing each other. And so one of them, the biggest one, would take him. And he would stand there. And he would say, I baptize you, my sister. And then he'd pick her up by the, by the heels and go head first down into the water. You know, and like, boom, and up, back up. And then, who's next? And he'd bring the next one. So they're baptizing each other. And we're watching it. We're laughing. And we're tickled. And then I thought, those kids really had it. They really had the meaning. That is the meaning of the word in the Greek. Baptizo means to plunge. No, I try not to pick people up and put them in head first, but then a few I wanted to, honestly. I had a kid do a cannonball into the baptistry one time. Never will forget that one. I better stop right there with all those. I'm just saying, they had it. That's what it means. And why? It's important to us because we're identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Now, here's the third thing that I want to say to you, very important, that I think Paul teaches us, and that is baptism declares our obedience to Jesus. Scripture tells us to be baptized. It's not really our option. You know, it's like, well, Pastor Eddie, what if I decide, you know, I'll, I'll share my faith another way? Well, it's really not an option. The Scripture is very plain to us about being baptized, and... And it's, 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 it's a step of obedience. And notice that Paul said in that Romans chapter, that last verse, he said, so, for, so that we, watch this, we were baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized to his death, uh, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. Watch this, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. In other words, what he's saying is, we're, uh, we're, we're baptized to identify with Christ, yes, to proclaim to people, but then to obediently walk with him. When we're baptized, we're declaring our intent to be obedient and follow Christ where he leads us on the journey. And, and that will become chapter 3 in our lives, our intent. Did you hear me? I'm, I'm not saying that we're perfect at that. I'm not, I, I can almost hear somebody say, well, I better wait till I'm baptized so I can live a better life or I can get rid of this or I can get rid of that. Listen, if that's your case, you'll probably never get rid of those things. It's not about what you can do. It's about what Christ will do in you and through you. And so here's the bottom line. If you want to take something away today, I think here it is. Baptism is our first step of obedience in following Jesus. When Paul came to faith in Christ, once he had received the moment, once he had made it to Damascus, 
the first thing he did was to be baptized. So, if you're here this morning and, and you're saying, uh, you know what, Pastor Eddie, I'm, I know I know Christ, but I've never been baptized, then I would encourage you to do it. I would encourage, not, you don't have to do it this morning. No, I'd, I'd probably gather some friends together and figure out a time we'd do it. But I'd encourage you to take that simple step of faith and say, you know what? I want to publicly proclaim my faith. Yes, Jesus has touched me. Yes, I understand that when I came to faith in Christ, Eddie died so that Christ could live in me, a new creature. I understand. I'm buried with Christ. I'm, I'm dead with Christ. But I'm new in Christ. And I'm ready to proclaim that to any and all who will listen through this thing of baptism. And I want to declare my intent to follow him. Maybe that's you today. Pray with me, would you? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord Jesus, thank you for all that you do in our hearts and lives, for who you are, for your incredible death on the cross, for your incredible sacrifice for us. Lord, I pray today for everyone in the building. Some may have heard this story of baptism for the first time. Others have heard it so many times they could recite it themselves. But I pray that all of us would be reminded of the importance of placing our faith in Jesus, surrendering to him as the Lord of our life, Identifying with his death, burial, resurrection. And then stepping in obedience through baptism. Lord, would you continue to teach us and grow us in our faith. Now just before we move on in our service. Maybe you're here this morning and you're, you're thinking, you know what, I've, I've never done that. But I'd like to, I'm ready to. Here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you, if you will, to just find a card. There's, there's some of these connection cards, next step cards near you. Just take one of those and write your name on there and say, yeah, I'm ready to be baptized and, and I'll follow up with you later. Or you can go online and do it. Make a commitment in obedience to him. You say, well, how, doesn't that make it all about me? No, no, no. It makes it all about him. And what it does is we allow our lives to point to him. Baptism points to his death, burial, resurrection, and life. It points to the fact that he did a work in my heart and life. Just write it down. I'll follow up with it later. So, Lord, I pray that you would work in the hearts and lives of many of us today regarding this important step of faith, this first early step of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.